it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 495 for July 12th, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Rod Simmons of the SMR Podcast, coming to you live from, well, recorded from Steve's Den. How are you doing? Very good. And I'm happy Steve let me use his den to do the recording. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I can technically record in the same room, but it's weird and, and ergonomically uncomfortable. So we are talking over the internet uh, two rooms away. You have to love technology. I'm, I'm <laughs> actually, I can hear the, I have to actually put my other earbud in because I can hear you from the other room talking. <laughs> well, that isn't the best idea, but what are you going to do? Well, uh, Rod thinks he's on to talk about electric vehicles, but I've decided to change this story to, uh, so Rod, you switched from Android to the iPhone and I, I, everything is so much better and you can't believe you ever veered away from the right true and path path, right? I hate to say yes. Ah. So there's a lot of nice things like um, like so I have a buddy who's texting me right now as we're doing the show, but he's texting me over Skype and right from the lock screen, I can press hold and start responding to Skype messages just like I can I messages. I, I think also when I make a Skype call, it shows up in the call log, which was one of the features I oh. really loved about Windows Phone. Yeah. You make a Skype phone call. It's right in your normal call log. Um. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of really good things. And the I think the annoyances that I had, I think it really comes down to one key thing, because a, a good friend of mine who um, who's a very, very big Samsung person, not Rob, <laughs> um, all the problems I had, he doesn't have with his Samsung phone. He's like, your problem really is that Google hardware you have. Don't buy a phone from Google. Buy a Samsung. Um <laughs> But you would think that, I mean, buying the Google hardware is supposed to be the the platform that they really have built everything for. You're going to get all the security updates, you know, fewer explodey bits. You know, it, it's supposed to be a lot of advantage to that. Yeah, that's well, my I likened it to I bought Google because I wanted to have the uh, pure Google experience and I wanted to have the software updates. And I figured that was as close as I could get to an iPhone experience, but with Google. Um, and that's just, at least in my, for my experience, that's not the case. I'm, I wasn't happy with the, I guess it was the, uh, the pixel that I just had. I had the, the pixel and then I had the, I guess it was the, was it the Nexus before that? Whatever yeah. the phone was yeah. before that. I can't remember well, I think they anymore, still sell the Nexus 6P. 6P. Yeah. Yeah. I had the 6P before that and it was just, it was always just little problems. It's, it's like they Samsung. They said it was you. Yeah, they don't they don't Google does things 80 percent, which is what typically if you look at anything they do, like they have like Duo and Allo and all their different messaging and they have Google chat and they have uh, Hangouts and they they, do half of 12 things. Yeah. Like I told you, like I think there was one time before where I said, could you could you send me a text with some uh, phone number? You sent me a contact while I was using Hangouts for my messaging app. And it just says, oh, yeah, we don't deal with contacts. So it just obliterates it. I never even know that you sent me anything. Oh, so I'm that's like, interesting. Yeah. I, I'm like, did you I, send I do, it? I do have to say uh, Google's not alone in that. My uh, chat client of choice is Telegram. And the one thing you can't do is share a contact through Telegram. So I wonder if it's something Apple did that made that get borked when it's done by any other service. I'm not right. sure I can blame Google as much as I'd like to. I have a little kitty cat who likes me right now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Walking around on the desk, I saw you move yeah. a keyboard. Yeah, I moved the keyboard because I was like, if, if he steps on the keyboard or she, I can't tell right away. Oh, uh, oh no, going towards the keyboard now. <laughs> so I'm moving over here. Okay, that's got to be Grace. It's uh, Grace Hopper is her name. She was uh, wrote the first computer uh, compiler. So 
She likes oh. typing. <laughs> oh, oh, so I am I am smart at moving the keyboard out of the way. Yes, you are. Anyway, yeah. uh, so but I I was really surprised to be to be true honest here. Um, the SMR podcast with uh, Rob Dunwood and Chris Ashley and Rod Simmons is one of my favorite shows, and uh, but I like it because there's always such differing opinions. But the other day, you guys, you and and Chris, I mean, you were you were fanboys. You were so happy about iOS. I've never heard you guys so on the same page, and I, there was like no whining at all. And I, I I was a little uncomfortable with that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I there's a lot of things that are just right. I, I and I know that you said, and I I I still cannot comprehend this that you don't like night shift on the phone. It is the first time, and like I think it. I don't know if I purposely turned it on or if you showed me. I don't think I did because I don't like it. It it was it's it's unbelievably great. Like why? And, what do you like about it? So for anybody so, who doesn't have an iPhone, it's where it turns at a scheduled time, or you can turn it on manually. It basically turns everything kind of this muddy sepia tone. Uh, it, it, is it relaxing? So, what is it? It no, it's just it's softer on the eyes. So if you're in a if you're in a low light room, like if you're in a bright room, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. do anything. But like, for example, like um, I'm traveling. So I'm out west and I l- normally live on the east coast. I live in Maryland. So it's like five o'clock in the morning or four o'clock in the morning when I was in Phoenix yesterday. And my my kids wanted to talk to me first thing in the morning. Well, I'm like shades are still drawn in my room. It's dark. They wanted and my phone vi- like rings and it's like. I'm waking up to the ringing of the phone and I'm looking at it and like, you're trying to get yourself focused, but if it's a bright phone, it's like, uh, I, I can't really narrow the focus well, down. But to get so that's right dark away. versus light. This is brown. Ah, but when you turn on night shift, like that, that moment of when I wake up and I look at the phone like this morning, which is what happened. I, I grabbed the phone. I looked at it. Yeah. It just wasn't as harsh of light. It's like, I took a second to focus, but I was able to focus quicker because the light wasn't so bright or late in the evening when like we're watching TV on the couch and the, in the room is dark and I grab my phone and look at it. It's just like, it's not that bright light coming at me. It's, it's hmm. the tones are softened a little bit. Now I wouldn't do photo editing <laughs> with <laughs> night shift turned on, but it, it does make it for me, at least it makes it a lot easier to, uh, to look at the phone. There are so interesting. I just I I like my screen. I mean, there are times I'll turn the brightness down a little bit where if it is a darkened environment, I will do that from time to time. But I know all these people that walk around. I mean, Marianne's listening right now and she's yelling into her iPhone because she loves night shift and she loves having her phone at stupid half brightness. I need it as bright as possible (laughs) to be able to see what's on the screen. I can't stand a a half bright screen. I mean, that just drives me bonkers. Yeah, if you saw my screen right now, it's half bright because <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it all the way up. Um, I, I will turn it up if I'm in a very bright area, like outside. If we we're outside, I would turn the brightness up so I can see it. But other other than that, it's always at half brightness, just because for me, it's it's less harsh on the eyes. It might be just a rods and cones things in the eye. Like yeah, if it's yeah, something maybe. super bright, I I can't tolerate it. Like even my monitors for my computer, I'll usually um, I have to turn on the light or dim the monitors. I can't I can't work with. Like I'll get all my devices up as bright as possible. Actually, one of the things I do notice is so the the brighter the light is, the smaller your pupils will be. They they will whatever the opposite of dilate is. Right. They shrink up and that gives you a longer depth of field, which is why I can see better if I have bright light in my eyes. So I'm wearing contacts and glasses right now to be able to see my screen. I need all the light possible to get my my pupils as small as possible to get the longest depth of field. 
So the idea of turning it down is just like, you know, why don't I just close my eyes then? I can't see it at all. Drive me so, nuts. Since you wanted me to complain about something with the yeah, iPhone. Yeah, what do you got? All right. So the first thing is this. You um, you say you ask Siri a question and I'm not going to complain about Siri in itself because um, I know that because that's even, just too easy. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like let's at least make a sport out of it, <laughs> like taking a lollipop from a kid. Um, but uh, with with Siri, the, the biggest problem I find with it is that I'll ask it a question and it says, oh, here's what I found on the Web. And it's like, that's fine. But I click on something. It's like, ah, that wasn't what I wanted. Now I have to do the search. Oh, yeah, all yeah, you do over again. Yeah, you do. That is like that is like uh, it is. It's like kicking you when you're down. That it's fine that you didn't find it, but there's like five results here, and I'm not sure which of the five are the best. So I'm gonna start with the top one, and if that's not it, then I have to do the search again. To, and it's just easier for me to pop over that. That's probably that's probably my biggest little, biggest little annoyance that I have is I I, uh, I love what. Uh... Leo Laporte said uh, he did he did a test on uh, three the three main digital assistants and he said I don't know why we call them smart assistants because you would have to have the dumbest assistant in the world to not be able to execute this task and uh, I think what he asked was it was during the debates and he said what time is the next debate and all three of them answered with the right time and he said give me a reminder a half hour before that date and all three of them went. What date? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> they, like, and then they're supposed to be able have to no idea have context to carry that conversation. But I, I could see that being I, a problem. I think he might even have done it in one sentence too. Uh, find the next debate, uh, the time of the next debate, and set an alarm to alert me or alert me of that, or make a calendar event for me. And they were all like, well, "I don't know what you're talking about. That's too hard." So when you talk about reminders, one of my favorite features, but the thing that I think if I remember correctly on the iPhone, I can't say remind me when I get to Giant. Yes, you or can. The grocery store. Oh, to the grocery store. If you, if it's in my contact list, if it's in your contacts. You could. Yeah, and I just like my thing is I want to put it in my contact. But what they've done, another feature that I loved on Windows Phone was if I say uh, call Buffalo Wild Wings near me, it'll pull up and say there's a Buffalo Wild Wings on this road. It's like yep, that's the one. Call it. When I oh, look in the call log, it says Buffalo Wild Wings. Because it it looked it up, it's not in my contact list. Oh, that's something you like. That number. Oh, okay, I, I love that because that was a feature of Windows Phone that I said this is just makes sense. Because if you're going back to your call log at some point in time and saying, like for me, I'm I travel a lot, so it's like I'm in a city and I'm like trying to remember like. Okay, two nights ago we ate this place. I really like the food, but I've been to this place. I've been to this area so many times. It's like I don't remember where we went. I've been, but I know it was Tuesday. Was it? And yeah. I know I called so I can go back through the call log and say, we called to confirm we could get the reservations. Was it here or here? And then I can go back through and look and look up the restaurant and go. But that that is definitely a uh, a nice, you know, um, on, on your reminders thing. Pat Dengler was just telling me something OmniFocus can do is you set up an OmniFocus uh, task list for this is things I want to buy when I get to Costco She'll be yep. driving by Costco and OmniFocus will pop up and go, hey, you said you wanted to go get toilet paper here or whatever, you know, 8,000 rolls of toilet paper. So it's funny. Uh, one of my buddies, uh, that's they use they use Alexa to add things to a list. So when his wife's in the grocery store, if they need something when like she's already gone to the grocery store, yeah, they share up. a contact list. He'll just he'll look and say, oh, we need milk. He'll say, Alexa, add milk to the list. So bang, <laughs> it adds it to the list. And immediately on her phone, that list gets updated for what to buy. 
By the way, uh, I'm not going to apologize to anybody for what Rod just said, because if you just use Siri. Oh, my gosh, recogn- I'm so sorry. No, no, no. We are not apologizing for it. I'm tired <laughs> of everybody about apologizing. I'm going to say this once. So the iPhone recognizes your voice. So you could yell out, hey, Siri, and tell my phone to do something. And it won't do it because it's not my voice. But if you do that with Alexa, and who cares whether podcasts are doing it, I can be downstairs and someone says the word duck and Alexa upstairs will go, hey, wait, what? What were you talking to me? So, you know, that's Alexa's problem. (laughs) Yeah, I will say um, because I have I have Alexa at the house and we'll we'll just be sitting around. The kids will be talking and playing and then we'll hear it say something We're like what? And you kind of look over thinking. Sorry, I have to interrupt because since I said, hey, Siri, she just started a message. On my phone. <laughs> but I know nobody else's did. I did it to myself. <laughs> yeah, no, my, my phone, my phone sitting right here and it did not, it did not pick up on it. Didn't move. <laughs> didn't, didn't blink at all. But yeah. I Sorry, I interrupted forget. your story. I forgot my story already. Okay, good. Oh. Well, hey, in theory, what we were really supposed to talk about was electric vehicles. So I do want to get to that, but I wanted a chance to have you uh, gush about your new love. And you haven't even, one last thing, the hardware hasn't even let you down yet. Cause that's always where, you know, something weird always happens to you. So the only thing, and this is, this is, I think if I say this, most Apple users would probably say this is typical where you press and hold the Siri button and you start talking and it's the waves don't move. And yeah. You don't know why yeah. it's not working. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 And then all of a sudden the, or... the mic just comes on going, well, why aren't you talking? Well, Cause I told you that like a minute ago. Now, I will say this single port thing, it's a pain in the backside. And you mean for for uh, power and headphones? Yes. So now in my car, I've solved the problem. I got the uh, there's a Belkin device that I grabbed and I can plug in two um, uh, lightning Lightning. Uh cables. So one's power and one is headphones. It works fine in the car. It works great. And but you're not going to carry that around. Uh, well, I, I'm thinking about putting one in my travel bag because what happened to me was on my last trip, I was Chris took me to the airport. My buddy Chris, one of the guys from the SMR podcast, he took me to the airport, which he also did on this trip. Go figure. Um, I didn't pick you up. <laughs> well, I got an Uber. That was no problem. <laughs> it was easy. Company paid for it. So as I'm on my way to the airport, Chris, I was like, man, I just I feel like I forgot something. And I was like, I went through and I'm like, I'm thinking I got my wallet. I got this. I got that. Like I'm all the important things I have. Mm-hmm. And then it dawned on me. I forgot my Bose headsets and I was flying out West and I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to fly. Cause I was only in California. Like the last time I went for like a day or day or two, um, I got to fly this entire day of the time without my Bose headsets, which are Bluetooth, which negates this problem I'm talking about. So oh. all I had were wired headsets with me. So I was oh. fine because I could listen, but now I got a six hour flight where I have to choose between not hearing everybody around me and listening to music or podcasts or whatever, or the other option was to charge. So it was this constant debate of, all right, I think I'm about to fall asleep. I'll unplug and I'll uh, charge for a little while and then I'll wake back up. And this, yeah, I get this, that drive. Uh, my battery lasts long enough. I never think about it. <laughs> Wait. Okay, we were going to talk about electric vehicles and I've uh, uh, managed to waste the first 15 minutes here. We're going to do the meanest thing ever, uh, I think. We are going to talk right up to a certain point in this conversation, and then we're going to stop. And we're going to come back at a later date, and you're going to hear the rest of this interview. We're going to record it all today, and I get to hear it all today, but you don't get to hear the rest until later, and I don't know when later is. It might be in a couple weeks. It might be in four weeks. I'm not really sure. We'll see, but it'll be a big teaser. 
So uh, l- l- let's start at the beginning. Can you give us a definition of, of kind of like there's a lot of different kinds of electric vehicles, right? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start off with I'm not an expert on electric vehicles, but I just a passion. I, I know. Yeah, I will. Not just a passion. My next purchase of a, any automobile will not have an internal combustion engine or as many EV people refer to them as an ice engine. I'm, I'm absolutely done. I'm done going to the gas station. I'm done going to the lube center or Jiffy Lube where you have to change your oil, pay $70, $90, $100 to change your oil, and then they, they snake you for getting in new oil filters. I, am, I, I cannot tell you how done I am with all that. So, And oddly enough, Chris is kind of getting on the same point. So I, I've just – it's been a growing frustration for me over time. Like there's, I don't have any delusions of grandeur. I know that an EV is going to cost me a little more and I've, we've looked at options. So, um, there, there's a bunch of different options you do have when you're going out there. And I think, uh, you know, when we first, if you first look at it, the first thing you think about is a hybrid vehicle, um, which, I mean, there's tons of hybrids on the road, which means you're not plugging the vehicle into charge. It's just it has a little a uh, little bit of a electricity or a little bit of a battery in there that charges while you drive, while you brake, whatever it's doing um, off of a regular gas engine. So but what means is you still have the maintenance of a gas engine. So you have a you have a vehicle that is a gas vehicle that has. Is it the worst some, of both worlds or the best of both worlds? I think it's the worst of one internal combustion <laughs> engine. Uh, and then it gets some of the benefits of being able to raise your, um, your, the efficiency of your driving. So, um, one of uh, the listeners of the SMR podcast, Christopher Durham, he actually has the, uh, the Honda Accord hybrid and he loves it. He drove really? from, yeah, he drove from Seattle, Washington to, uh, Washington, DC. Uh, and he said like his gas mileage was 70, 80 miles a gallon or something like that. It was something crazy high. I mean, it's been a, so why is that the worst? I would, I would think that's kind of the best of both worlds is that you get the range of a gas engine, but you've got whenever you're, if you're in stop and go, you can live on, on the electric uh, motor entirely. Right. Uh, yes. However, so, um, with a traditional, with a typical hybrid, the gas engine is kind of always, up there going. So you're always really consuming gas. No, 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 um, no, 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 no. When I'm in the parking lot at the gym, which is yeah. just covered in uh, Priuses, I can't tell you how many times one of them is pulled right out in front of me and I never heard ah, it or yeah. up behind me. Okay. So at a certain, at a certain speed, those engines kick in. So how fast, as they, do you know, uh, I don't know what it is. Okay. And, and mind you, the Prius does have, uh, they have regular, I think Prius has a, a traditional hybrid and I believe Prius also has a plug-in as well. So I, th- I think Prius has two types of hybrids oh, okay. you can do. I think so you also, okay. you have to make sure you distinguish between a plug-in and a non-plug-in hybrid. So what's um, the difference so, between those then? So I, I rented a, yesterday I had a Ford Focus as a, as a rental car, which amazing car, uh, oddly really? enough. Yeah. I really enjoyed it and it was, but it's a hybrid. It's now Ford Focus has an electric Ford Focus a plug-in hybrid Ford Focus and a hybrid Ford Focus. So there's three kind of classifications in there. The I I had no ability to control whether or not the gas engine kind of kicks in with the hybrid. It's just I'm driving and it says and it, when I stop it'll say you went 0.1 mile on EV and 0.2 miles on gas. So hmm. 30% of my savings always came from electric and I have no ability to control how the electric engine charges except for with braking, which we'll get to regenerative braking in just a moment. Okay. Um, 
it's just it's like as I'm driving, the electric part of the engine is charging, and it, it does become a game because as you're when you're driving, you kind of see. Uh, like so with the Ford Focus, I'm driving the car and I'm going to brake. And traditionally, people kind of brake a little late, so they're braking a little bit harder right towards the end. And the Ford Focus will come up and it'll like once you stop, it'll it'll draw a circle and it'll say you had 70% efficiency braking. So it's like I can do better than that. Yeah, it's that gamified, huh? Yeah. So now the next time you brake, you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna try to slow down further out and see if I can you know kind of time it right where I don't hit the brake hard. Then all of a sudden it's like you have 98% efficiency or 100% efficiency, which means we never engaged your brake pads. This was all the electric motor slowing you down because you were you had the the thought way ahead to kind of start slowing the vehicle down, coast in, and as it's coasting at that slower speed, it's recharging the battery, and which you also have as a battery meter. So you're looking at it and you pick up a rental car. You know, they're they clean the car. They're probably listening to music in it. They have the air conditioning running. So likely the battery is just draining down. It's going to drain the battery first, then hit the the gas engine. So you get the rental car. And you're looking at it. And, and the first time I got the full focus, because this is the second time I've rented it, I'm looking at it. I'm like, it, it, it has no gas. And the guy's like, no, no, it's full. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at this meter. It's gas. He goes, no, that, that's the battery. The battery's uh-huh. empty. Once you start driving and braking, that'll go up. The gas is over there. I was like, so this oh, is, okay. This is the hybrid, not the plug-in hybrid, right? So that's yes. the, the gas engine is making the car go, and and your, your braking is putting the energy back into the uh, electric it. system. Okay. So as as I started driving, and of course, I was in um, I was in Elisa Viejo area, so it's a nice hilly area. This time, this recent trip, I was in Phoenix. Sucked because it's flat. So <laughs> I'm not getting a lot of good regen. My regen was like kind of coasting up to light. So I can I never got the battery to 100 percent in Elisa Viejo, where it's kind of nice and hilly. Where in any area in the world, even though you're wasting way more gas, by the way, going up and down these hills, you were just watching that, that one battery. game. <laughs> I got to get that battery meter up, and I got to get braking at 100 percent. But again, it 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 does help you think about driving and not. Like if you're because if you think about it, one of the values of an electric vehicle is that regen braking is that rather than engage like if you're if you you're going to have to explain regenerative braking. We keep talking about it, but you haven't talked about it. We're only on the I think we're on the second vehicle type. Uh, Actually, we're probably we at the first. Yeah, we're still (laughs) the first. I'm so bad. I told you that I would talk a lot. Um, So um, what regenerative braking does is uh, and if you think about anybody who talks about a Tesla, and this is this is a full EV type vehicle when you're talking Tesla. I think everybody knows that by now. But what regenerative braking does is it saves your brakes. So people with Teslas will say, "I don't go through brakes like I used to with an ICE car," because there's no value. Like with a traditional car that we all drive, a Honda Accord, a Honda Pilot, uh, I drive a, a big SUV. When you brake, essentially, you know the discs or the pads kind of press against something, generates heat. And all that's just lost energy. It's waste, that right? Um, with with um, regenerative braking, it's kind of leveraging the what you would normally generate as heat. Look at it this way: if you if you had a motor that you could spin really fast, and then you told the motor try to slow yourself down, but as you're forcing yourself to slow, like if you were to downshift a car, you know how like um, the RPMs will go up really high, right? If you think about if you were in theory downshifting a car and the RPMs kind of jumping up, if you could capture that as energy. That's what's going back in, but it's not in, when you downshift, you're not engaging brakes. So 
people who drive stick shift cars have always known how to preserve their brakes longer because they would just say, I'm approaching a light. They'll I'll let it ride here and downshift and downshift and downshift. Which never made sense to me because changing your brakes costs you, what, 40, 50 bucks? Changing your transmission costs you thousands of dollars. So I never understood why you save your brakes at the, at the destruction of your transmission. Okay. Very valid point there. <laughs> Didn't, never thought of it that way. But I mean, I know it's really fun to do and stuff, but it doesn't. I never got yeah. that. Now, 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 regenerative braking isn't about downshifting the engine. I'm just trying to draw the equations. So right, right, right. Thinking about it, it's really just talking talking about rather than engaging the brake pads to generate that heat, let's regenerate. Like, well, let's take the energy as we slow the engine down and push that back into the battery. It's basically, so you like drive, a flywheel going yeah. back into the making. It. Okay, yeah, you got it. All right, it's, cool. You know, my my first experience with that was in uh, 1995, I got to drive the EV1 prototype. Uh, I worked for a company that was owned by General Motors and they brought the EV1 in and they they said they were going to have some some fat cats uh, executives get to drive it. And they asked me to bring this one guy up. I don't know why I was the girl. So I guess that's why I drove it, even though I was an engineer. But I took him up there and they let him drive it. And they said, well, I want to drive it. And they said, well, yeah, OK. And that was the funnest car to drive. It had a dial that you could turn that they never put in the real vehicle. But it was uh, a dial that let you change how strong that regenerative braking was. And if you dialed that thing all the way up, it was like driving a golf cart. I mean, you'd accelerate and then decelerate and there was no braking at all. You were using one pedal. And that seemed really attractive. The idea of being in stop and go traffic where you just feather that one pedal instead of go, stop, go, stop, go, stop. That seemed like a really cool idea. So you'd be happy to know that many electric vehicles um, actually provide you that option. So a friend of mine, she got a Tesla, um, loves it. Um, And when they first give you a Tesla, they'll say, we want you to put it in normal mode. And you have what they call a mode called creep. What creep means, and we all know that, like you're at a stoplight and the car in front of you moves a couple inches forward. You don't touch your gas. You just take your foot off the brake and the car creeps forward. Right. And that is, they teach you to say, when you first start, we want it to feel like you're in a regular vehicle. That'll have that natural creep um, forward. And But in a traditional, once you set it to like actually act like a real electric vehicle, you'll take your foot off the gas and it's like, I'm not moving. Like you got to oh. engage and tell me what to do. So the car doesn't have that natural kind of propel forward. It It's actually usually a configurable option in most, um, most electric vehicles. vehicles. And huh. it's usually as you move away from the, the just the traditional hybrid vehicles that we're used to talking about, which is the kind of category we talked about. As you move to like plug-in hybrids, um, then you start talking about where you have those options of how aggressive you want your regen braking to be, as well as if you want it to, you know, creep forward and stuff like that. So I can I can talk a little bit about plug-in hybrids. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah. So so hybrid is you just put gas in it. But it's using regenerative braking to get energy into the battery that allows you to do some low end work, like yeah. backing up and trying to hit me in the parking lot at the gym. But a yeah. plug in hybrid, how is that different? So plug in hybrid is exactly what it says, is that you can plug it in. So now you're starting to talk about something like let's I'll use the Chevy Volt V for Volt, not right. V for Bolt because they were too dumb to name two cars different. Um, if anybody from Chevy's listening, I apologize about that comment. Um, <laughs> Why? It's their fault. Yeah, they should have never. I mean, they should apologize so to us for not being able to pronounce it. So the Volt is a plug-in hybrid, which means you can come home and you might have range on a vehicle. Let's let's. I'll just use I'll use eighty miles of range. So if you plug it in, that vehicle will absolutely be able to go eighty miles 
um, from plug-in. Or the Prius is another example of another plug-in hybrid. You plug it in, the vehicle can charge itself up um, from regular electrical outlets or from you know various charges you can find uh, distributed throughout the U.S. or any country you might be in. You charge the vehicle up, and then the gas engine tends to be something that's really only designed to extend the range of the vehicle. Oh, so okay. With, with plug-in hybrids, traditionally, the battery powers the motor. So that so is you'd the be on power. electric most of the time. Yeah. Well, you're on electric. Well, so you're on electric all the time because the oh, electric okay. electric powers the motor. So in a in a oh. hybrid, you have gas that powers the motor. Like that, you're you're a traditional car, but you you have this kind of you. This it's more like electric, electric assist. Right. It's yeah. That actually, that's probably a really good way of looking at it. But, but when a you plug-in plug hybrid, hybrid, it's the other way around. Yeah. You're dry. Everything is. I I'm now 100 pure electric that until that I gas run out engine you have. Yeah. Or yeah. Until I run out or until I get low and then the gas engine will kick in and its job is to recharge me. Oh, me okay. Back up to it, a, it doesn't level. actually drive the motor. It, dri- yeah. it, it, it charges the battery so that it can drive the motor. Right. So okay. typically when you're talking like, um, some plug-in hybrids will offer, um, you can, offer, you can buy a car and you can say like, uh, the Chevy or I, I talked about the Ford focus already. So the Ford or Ford focus. Yeah. For fusion focus, whatever. Um, <laughs> camera. Now we got volt, volt fusion um, focus. So the focus. I think you said focus, but I think it is fusion, isn't it? It is fusion. It is fusion. Okay. So the Ford, the fusion has a hybrid and a plug-in hybrid. So if you look at it this way, I drove the I drove the Ford Fusion hybrid. There's a plug-in hybrid, and then there's a Ford Fusion pure EV. So. The EV and the hybrid or the plug-in hybrid are very similar. They both have a um, electric drive, like some electric motor. The electric right. motor controls it. The only difference is the hybrid version, the plug-in hybrid, has a gas engine that will extend the range. And it extends it far. Like that, the Fusion can go, I think it's like 600 and some odd miles on a, a single tank of gas. It's it's insane how far you can get. Okay, but so that, and that's the, that's the plug-in hybrid version. That's the plug-in hybrid version. And the pure now, EV version goes how far? Not that far. Uh, yeah. There's a uh, lot of cars so, that don't go very far, right? They go yeah, like 60 the, miles. Yeah, that's the biggest challenge you run into. So I think the fu- the the Fusion is probably around the 100 and some odd mile range, like 100, 110. Like most of them are very low. And that's that's the challenge you run into is that uh, – I. Maybe I need more range. So we'll we'll talk about the the whole range and range anxiety. And I, I think range anxiety is more BS. I mean, I think and the reason why I say that, like someone's probably listening saying it's not BS, it's real. Here's the thing. We all drive cars today. How many times have you had range anxiety in your car where you're like, man, I, I should have filled I, up. I should have filled up at that last gas station we just passed. And you're you're panicking, thinking like, come on, one of these exit has to have a gas station. <laughs> and you're praying like that's range anxiety. We all get it in a car. And we because. Yeah, I, th- I, I like think I think the difference, though, is and, and I've got the perfect example. We were stuck in a uh, three hour traffic jam coming up from San Diego on the uh, on the 15. There was a horrible, horrible accident. And. We were basically people were getting out of cars, you know, talking to the people next to him. I mean, we had we had time to have long conversations. I was knitting and I was in the driver's seat. That's how long it was. And uh, we started talking to the guy next to us and he was in a, um, a natural gas car and he was losing his mind because he said, when you get to the other side of this, 
there'll be a gas station. When I get to the other side, there is not a station for me. So right. the, the range anxiety could be because of the availability of, of power stations, right? Of a place to plug in. If you can't plug in, your range anxiety is worse than someone driving a, an ice car. Yeah. So if you're, if you're dealing with someone who's driving natural gas, uh, bad idea, um, fuel cell, um, I, I'd say I'd equally say bad idea. The, the challenge is, is it's, it is that being able to find it with an electric car, um, you got to find an outlet like, and that really, that's really, well, but I mean, you can't with. drive up to Denny's and, and, you know, drag it, you know, carry a 900 foot power cord in your trunk to, can I plug this in next to the coffee pot? How does so, that work? So you'd be surprised. Um, and mind you, when I say I've listened to podcasts at nauseum about electric vehicles, cause I'm so obsessed with this is to listen to it. Like some of these where they're in scenarios where they're saying, you know, I need to, I need to get a little bit of a charge and many people will let you plug in and charge. It's not like I could pull up to your house and just say, I, I don't know you, but I really need a charge. Would you mind if I use some of your electricity? Obviously that probably won't work well. But if you look at there are apps out there, like, um, so if you, if you're on your computer, if you take a look for, um, there's an app called charge point, like, so just charge and point, um, that would be an app that would give you an example of, uh, if you sign up to ChargePoint, um, where most people who have an EV will have a ChargePoint account, they're very densely populated throughout the U.S. And if you're in other countries, there's there's tons of different charging options you have for being able to charge throughout the infrastructure. That'll show you some. If you want to, okay. there's also an app called PlugShare. PlugShare is more, I, I think, PlugShare Wallet will show you um, locations to charge on uh, in ChargePoint. It also is more like community, where, for example, Allison might be in the goodness of her heart say. I I want to be able to use other people's plugs should I need it. So I'm happy to let someone else come and plug in and charge at my house. Maybe because of where I, I'm located, it's walking distance to a restaurant. So if someone needed to come and park their car at my house and charge, they can walk three blocks away and they can go eat at a restaurant would be an example. So PlugShare provides community sharing um Places you can go, RV parks you could go and plug and charge at. There are a lot of um, hotels where you can actually go charge where they – normally they would only let people – their patrons charge for free. So like um, ChargePoint, ChargePoint – even though ChargePoint is a company and they, they, if you will, own the hardware, what ChargePoint actually does is they say we partnered, let's say, at this location with Marriott. So Marriott actually has a ChargePoint charger at their hotel, but ChargePoint charges you nothing to use the charger. Marriott in this in this example would be that they could dictate and say we provide it as a free service to our guests, but if anybody else wants to use it, they're welcome to. But here's the rate they'll yeah, pay okay. since they're not a, they're so not. So it sounds like this is expanding, and the range anxiety problem of two years ago isn't what it was one year ago, isn't what it is today. Yeah, but now I will say if you like, so a buddy of mine he lives in Maine. He's like, there's no charging near me. And I was like, oh come on. I open up ChargePoint. Oh, wait a second. Open up share uh, plug share. I was like, all right, yeah, you're right. There's nothing. I was like. Very valid point. You are probably not the candidate for this. And and there are people who are in scenarios like that. So, so that's good to I, know. Good to, yeah. good to check it out, right? Yeah. If you're When you're looking, you should look. Now, I will always tell people, don't focus on where you live. Because if I did, I would never consider an EV. Because near me, there's definitely charging near me. It's just not – it's not dense. The reality is I don't if – I'm, if I'm that close to home, I'm going to go home need and charge. It, right? <laughs> yeah. I can charge at home. It's really where do I go, the corridors I go down. When I look at that, 
all the corridors, all the locations I go in the direction of whether it be Dulles International Airport, BWI Airport, um, Reagan Airport, every one of those corridors, as I start to get further away from my house, it has a deep charging infrastructure network on the path okay. as I get further away from my house. So now for me, range anxiety is more like if I were to buy an EV, I'm roughly 100 miles round trip away from an airport. So now I'm like looking saying – a car with a hundred miles, it's like, unless I know I can charge at the airport, that's it's it's not going to really, make it. Yeah. It's not. It's and nice that's to, how you justify the Tesla. Cause it goes farther. Right? There you go. Or, or the, or the, or the bolt, the bolt goes pretty far or you, you go with one of the, the, the hybrid models right? or you go with a range, like something that provides a range extender. But yeah, that's, that's all the stuff that, you know, that you get into when you're actually looking at vehicles and trying to figure this out is how far do you need to go? So, well, let's, done, let's talk about how you justify uh, the purchase, right? Because that's what we really all want to do, because there are ways to do some math on this, right? It all depends on how, you, like, you know, like how I think, anal retentive you are. Is that what you were well, going to say? Well, I was going to say, you know, how Clinton said define the word is it's it's define justify uh, uh, <laughs> to yourself nice. or your spouse yeah. or your accountant. So I, I have no delusions of grandeur that when I say I want to buy a Model 3 or Model S or Model X that I'm going to run a spreadsheet and say, look, it's saving me money to buy this car. I, I don't I, – I know that's the case. But I will say when I was, I was landing – I was landing this morning in LAX and I looked, I looked out the window and I was like, that is a lot of freaking smog. Like it, it's – This humbling. place is – you need to – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call you on that. Okay, the L.A. Basin is phenomenally cleaner than it was 30 years ago. I mean, it is. No, 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 no. I'm not just making this up. We used to have these things called orange alerts and orange alerts were basically uh, if you're under 10 or over 60, don't even think about going outdoors. Uh, Please, for the love of all things holy in this world, uh, carpool, uh, you know, banners up everywhere, red alert, orange alert problems. We we used to have maybe three or four or five of those a summer. We haven't had one in like eight years now. Uh, it used to be in the summertime. You couldn't even see the mountains. You, I mean, we've got the San Gabriel Mountains right here. They're not little bitty mountains. They're actual mountains. And you couldn't even see them in the summer. They were only visible in the winter. So when I hear people complain about the smog, there is haze here. The amount of smog, I mean, maybe this is a most improved award, but it's not really very smoggy here at all. Okay, so... Uh, let me, let me and I, we're still I'm, worse than everybody else yeah. though. I'll give you that. One. So, um, California is the most, like it's probably on the f- far, far, far front edge, at least in the U S for, for really addressing the pollution problem that you get with, you know, uh, I'll say ice vehicles. By um, the way, what do they call them? Ice vehicles. Internal, they come from the ice age. No internal combustion. Oh, engine. <laughs> I thought it was like dinosaurs who died in the ice age made made the oil that they run on. Okay, you have no idea. Like the things that you learn. Like so, if if you have a person with a traditional vehicle who parks in an EV spot when because which isn't you shouldn't do right. It's I mean it would be like all the coming to a gas station and there's all a bunch of electric vehicles parked in front of the the uh, the pumps. You'd be pissed. Like what the hell are you doing here? You don't need gas. You're an electric vehicle. Get the hell out of my way. That's how an EV vehicle fe- uh, feels when they try to pull in and you took their space so you could run to the store and they can't pull into charge. They call it getting iced uh, or, okay, okay. or they call them ice holes. Um, there's all these different terms. So I mean, if gonna, you start watching, 
I'm going to put a link to an article from uh, USC.edu about children's children's lungs grew stronger as pollution declined in L.A. and throughout the basin over the past two decades. Yeah. Now, uh, sorry, I I wasn't I wasn't trying to say the smog was or the haze was horrible. I was just saying when you look out, you're like, you know what? This is a problem that at least in my lifetime. I want to contribute to solving sure, because I, I think it can be better. And and I contrast that to that the day before I landed in Phoenix. It's like I can see for miles and you come into L.A. and you're like, that's because the I, air boiled off the surface of the planet. There. <laughs> it's it, like 120 it was, degrees. <laughs> it, it was 110. And that was cool uh, that day, like <laughs> there. So they were like, oh, yeah, it was like if you were here like two days ago, it was 115 and it rained last night and, and it dried it some yeah, it cooled it down some so it's only one ten it's only one ten and that's cooled down from one fifteen, one eighteen the days before. So yeah. It's hot. But my my, my point is By the way, if, do you guys see why this is gonna be a two part episode? I can't shut <laughs> I think up. we're on our second bullet. You're about right. Yeah, you're about right. So, all right, all right. So we were gonna talk about how to justify it, right? All right. So I'll I'll start with um the the first question you have to ask and I asked my like so I've been thinking about doing this. If you've listened to the SMR podcast for probably two years, I've been thinking about it. it By was the way, my, this is my gift to Rob and Chris that I'm letting you talk about this ad infinitum because they get really bored when he talks about it all the time. And I love this subject. Oh boy, do they ever. <laughs> so I decided I created a spreadsheet and Allison actually helped me with uh, pivoting my spreadsheet. To Pivot make it tables. Woo-hoo. So uh, in my spreadsheet, what I wanted to, what I wanted to understand was, how I was spending. Cause again, we talked about range anxiety, which is how far do I actually need to go on an individual charge? And I, I think if anybody's looking at doing this before you say, I want a Tesla or I want a plug-in hybrid, or I want a hybrid before you make that decision, keep an open mind and actually just do a spreadsheet. So what I do is I create a spreadsheet in Excel. I only fill in four fields. Um, everything else is formula driven, uh, not heart complex. Allison has access to my spreadsheet. She's welcome to share, copy down a spreadsheet, send it to anybody who wants it. I, I don't mind on that because there's nothing special here. Um, so what I do in the spreadsheet is um, when I go to get gas, I put in the date. Then I, I put in the mileage of my vehicle at the time when I got gas. I put in the total cost of the gas and I put in how many gallons I bought. And then what it does for me for calculation is it says, okay, here's how many days you had between when you filled up. So, you know, for example, the first time I started this was on um, September or August 1st of last year. And it said, all right. And then the next day I filled up was August 9th. So it's like there's nine days between your fill-ups. It's not hard to figure that out. So now I know that I, I go nine days. So then the next time is six and then 10 and then six and then 12 and then five and then four and then five, now, five, what, five. What's the value of that, of knowing so, how long you go between fill-ups? So now – so the other piece that goes into that is when I drive, I roughly drive between 260 and almost 300 miles on a fill up. So if I'm looking at this and saying, well, wait a second, if I take nine days to drive 300 miles, how much range do I need? You could, I could easily just say divide nine by, by uh, 300 or 300 by nine. Oh. That's one way. Oh, or, but that max actually matters. Like yeah. on, the, on those days when I'm going to do whatever I was doing there, do I have to drive an ice car? Right. So then what, because I'm recording over long periods of time and like now I have almost a year of data, I can look back. And I mean, like I say, Allison has access to my spreadsheet. And again, she can share that anybody who wants it, wants to look at it and see the data. What I could quickly see was, well, there's a couple times where it took two days where I filled up. And what I can now do is I can go back and look and say, 
why? Why did I why did I fill up so quickly on these days? And I can look and say, all right, what was this particular date? Like uh, um, uh, May 29th this year. Oh, my son had a tournament that was an hour and a half away. So I drove to the tournament, drove back home, drove back to the tournament, back home. So, so over but what a weekend, do you do with that data towards justifying in your own mind yeah. which car you should or can buy? It's, it's me determining how much range I need. So what I can look and say is – and this is what most EV people try to say to people who are looking to get into the EV community. Stop buying and saying that – like for example, I drive to my parents' house in South Carolina. Stop buying and saying I drive to South Carolina. It's 500 miles away from where I live. <laughs> I need to be able to go 500 miles. Stop. That's, that's, that's not your reality. How many times do you go there? Well, oh, I, I only go once a year. Okay, well – would you would you be willing to rent a car when you drive down there that one time, or would you be willing to stop to charge? That's a decision. Okay. At yeah. That point, like, don't let that drive your decision because the kids want out anyway. Yeah. Well, I, so and I, I swear I know that everybody's like, oh my god, will he get to a point? This is this is traditional <laughs> traveling for all of us. Um, and anybody who's listening, this is uh, if your kids' ears are are listening, turn it turn it down for a second. I'm not going to curse, but this is this is a trip. Um, honey, we're going to go. It's 500 miles away. All right, no problem. So the night before or the morning of you run and you fill up the car with gas because you don't want to stop the moment you leave the house. You fill up the car with gas, pack it in, throw everybody in the car. We're going to drive. And you look back in the back. You say, you better stop drinking that soda because if you got to pee, <laughs> I'm not stopping till I need gas. And that is that is a typical car trip. So when you stop, it's like. I'm filling up. You guys run in McDonald's or Burger King or whatever it is over there. Grab your food. Get your butt back in the car. Make And sure there better get- not be a giant soda in your hand. <laughs> yeah. You can have a giant soda, but I- I'm telling you, the next time I stop is when this gas meter needs gas. I'm not pulling over for that. Everyone, that is our car trips. By the way, he has four kids, so this is a constant battle, right? Do you ever win? Do you ever make it to the end of the tank? Sometimes. <laughs> no. so, so as often enough, as you need to drive 500 miles, you win. <laughs> funny enough, I was coming back from my, with my son from a baseball tournament. We had, he wanted he wanted to get food. No problem. We stopped and got food. We start driving. It wasn't – we were in like deep traffic and he's like, I got to pee. And I'm like, you can't hold it. And we were, we were an hour and a half away from home. I was like, fine. So it was like, let me just find a place where I can get off, like where there's – like not a gas station. The bathrooms aren't really great at gas stations. Let me just find at least a restaurant. Let me get around this traffic. But the traffic was long. So I was like, finally, I was like, pulled off. He went to the bathroom, got back on. And it, it, I felt like it was probably 10 minutes. It was more like 45 minutes. He's uh, like, I wish I would have got a bag of chips. And I was like, oh, my uh, God. <laughs> okay. So, I have the rule. And, and what's the point about electric vehicles? So. When you, if you watch, so there's a, there's a, there's a bunch of channels out there. Like one of the ones I like, if you go to YouTube and you type in like Tesla, just the word like and Tesla, there's a channel, um, very cute girl who does YouTube stuff. Ignore that. But if you look through her videos, um, she'll have videos where there's, they're doing, um, trips. It'll like, it'll say like day one, day two of their trips. If you watch a couple of those, you'll sit there and say, that's how vacationing should be. And what is it more relaxing? Lots of stops. Well, they, it's not that it's lots of stops. It's just, they, so they'll say, well, we're driving and we want to go this far. It's, it's beyond the range of the vehicle. So te- the, the Tesla, when you put it in the, the maps, will say, all right, you need to stop here for 30 minutes to charge or 20 minutes to charge. And they say, they stop, they plug in the car to charge and they'll say, all right, 
there's a Chipotle over here. Let's go. We'll go sit down and eat. So they just go sit and eat. We use the bathroom. And if you listen to a lot of people, they're saying, you know, after three hours in a car, it's probably a good time, three to four hours, good time to get out and stretch and be out of the car for a little bit. So they just say, and it's, it's, they're like, we're comfortable with that. Like we're fine with saying that we're going to stop. And actually, rather than chowing down in the car, we're going to stop and go in and sit down and eat. And so we'll use I, the I, it's, I know I shouldn't point gender at this one, but I know a lot of men who are just, I got to get in the car and we're going to go. We got to go. We got go is what we do. I mean, my friend Mark drives to Kansas in a little over a day. I would take at least a week to get to Kansas. There's no question in my mind, but he just gets in the car and he's a machine. I have stopped to take a nap more than once driving to San Diego when I used to go see my mom. It's two hours away. I stopped taking a nap because I'm getting sleepy, you know? Yeah. And it's, and I think the challenge we run into is that whatever, and this is our mindset has always been, I'm, I'm driving to my parents' house. For example, I want to see my parents. My kids want to get to the beach. I'm get, I'm dry. I'm only driving to get to the destination. The mm-hmm. journey has nothing to do with it. And right. it's, and what you see, the contrast of these people are saying, we're going to stop. We're going to go in here and eat. Like there was one time they were like, oh, we're going this place. And they stopped at, um, the Chattanooga airport or something like that had a charging station. They stopped and they said, we're going to go in. Oh, there's a library here. We never knew that. The kids were just sitting there looking at library books. They're like, we know we need to be here for 50 minutes to charge. So the, the kids are able to look at library books and we're talking to them and playing. And it's just like, you're sitting there looking, saying, <laughs> what bizarre land are you living in that you guys are fine with pulling the car over for 50 minutes um, to do that? But it was like, it was just acceptable. And it's like, once you let go of what you've always been used to, because I grew up with that. I, I've trained my kids to that and saying, <laughs> We can stop. Like, why can't we go in and sit down at this restaurant and just eat and then get back on the road? Like, then it's because we drive to get to the destination. And, and that journey is just like it, it can be miserable for everybody, but we just want to get to the end. And that is, that is really, really interesting. Well, I'm going to do the meanest thing ever. I am going <laughs> to stop us. I had like four points I wanted to get across, but we'll do them next time. Did you? Yeah, no, no, no. It's been 49 minutes, so we are going to stop and we're going to start up. And um, I, like I said, when I started up, I don't know exactly when this is going to fit in, but I need to, to be able to figure that out. So uh, the next one will start out with an unknown date and, and episode number. Uh, but this has been really cool. Next time, I think what we're going to talk about is autonomous vehicles and why that conversation seems intertwined with electric vehicles. You're going to tell us about some common misperceptions, unless we already did that. Maybe that was what we already talked about. Uh, but know. then talking about vehicle options, uh, because you've looked at a lot of them and where you're looking at with uh, some of the higher end vehicles, right? Yep. That sounds perfect. All right. Well, they can uh, get a hold of you and harass you online about what you've said, but we won't change anything in the next episode since we're going to record it right now. But if people wanted to get a hold of you, give you a hard time, uh, where would they find you? Uh, they can find me over at smrpodcast.com if they want to listen to podcasts. I'm also on Twitter. I think it's just Rod Simmons on Twitter. And I'm on Instagram as well. And I'm crazy enough, I'm Rod Simmons on Instagram as well. Whoa, so easy nuts. to find me anyplace. <laughs> All right. And they have a fabulous uh, Facebook group, uh, which is oh, smrpodcast slash Facebook. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. Facebook.com slash smrpodcast. Oh, Facebook. That's right. You guys did it the wrong way. <laughs> I think if you, I don't know, Rob might've set it up if you go to the site, but all right. Yeah. yeah you can find us somehow. All right. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. We will talk to you again soon. All right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, 
please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal, or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at PodFeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.